Welcome to Product Knowledge, the podcast about creating and marketing products that improve people's lives. I'm Andre Schwabi, Director of Media Services at Graphos Product. Inspiration for a new product can come from anywhere, even a pet store. Once you're inspired and you've got fire in your belly, you need to figure out a way to make your idea real. Now, having ideas is easy, paying for them, not so much. Some startups use their own money, while others try to find angel investors. It can be equally challenging and discouraging to find venture capital for even modest-scale products. Crowdfunding is a more recent approach to investment capital, and while micro-support is a popular idea, it still requires a dedicated marketing strategy and execution to succeed. No one doubts that Kickstarter often works, but how and when it works best, that's more mysterious. Jackson Cunningham is the founder of Tuft & Paw, an exclusively online pet furniture store that says its products are modern cat furniture both cats and humans will love. He started a Kickstarter campaign to fund a new cat litter box called The Cove. The fundraising goal was $15,000. Now clearly, The Cove is a good idea because it raised over 10 times the goal to just over $150,000 with two weeks left in the campaign. What are the most important elements of a Kickstarter campaign? How many people are involved? Where do you even begin? Jackson Cunningham Skyped from Vancouver and joined Graphos product CEO Laurier Mandin to talk about the Cove Cat Litter Box, including how Tuft & Paw engaged the company's online community to help design it. Laurier started the conversation asking Jackson Cunningham what it was like to have a Kickstarter campaign pay off so big. Oh man, it's a a huge relief. Um, Like I felt pretty confident I felt like we had a really good product, but still like when you're doing like a big launch like this, it's always nerve wracking kind of like right before you do it, that it's just going to be cricket. And so, yeah, I was watching uh, anxiously for the first couple of days. And what do you think was the, the secret? How did you end up becoming a Kickstarter favorite and, and having, getting so much attention, having so many people pledge? Um, yeah, well, there's a whole science kind of, I guess that goes in behind like sort of the, uh, behind the, you know, the blueprint of a successful Kickstarter project. And, um, you know, a a big part of it obviously is the product itself, but there's also a lot of preparation, um, and having kind of like an audience before you even launch on Kickstarter. So, I mean, we have the Tuft and Paw website, a really passionate, um, group of cat lovers that was sort of waiting, like waiting, um, anticipating for the launch. And so that has a huge, um, that that's such a big part being able to say like, Hey, we got funded this quickly. We got this much money on the first day. And that kind of gives you some momentum to move forward. Yeah. And I can see that, you know, you have that, that group of people, you know, this, this passionate audience that supports you. Um, and I think also just to the general public, anybody looking at the way you positioned it, the, the content was presented so nicely and you've got this profile photo. It has a stunningly beautiful cat. I think it's called Grubber. The product looks sleek and modern. It's, it's made from uh, recycled toxin-free plastic. So you've got that sustainability part too. Uh, so when I was looking at it and, and, and kind of seeing what the pieces are that go in together, I thought those were really important. You know, a really good cat photo when your audience is people who are investing in a, a cat product, show them a, pre- a really pretty cat and you've done that um, and have some, some things to fall back on. The sustainability, the company has credibility. You've, you've got uh, 
you know, your successful channel for, for selling. So people know that if they invest in it, you're going to have ways of selling and, and getting the product to market. And, and that's kind of covered. You can see why people want to get behind a product like this, because their reasons for investing in something like, like it align very nicely with your own reasons for, for right. putting this product on the market. Yeah, totally. We're not um, designing this in like a silo, like as we were doing it, we were kind of talking to some of our customers to see what they thought would be important. And, um, you know, like I'm a cat owner, I have lots of friends who are cat owners. And so it wasn't like a total guess. Um, so again, like I felt pretty confident about it. Um, but still you're just, <clears throat> it is, you know, you never know there's an element of luck that's like, if you launch it and, for whatever reason, it doesn't sort of catch that fire. But yeah, like you said, we are oversubscribed at this point. So now we're just trying to trying to run with it. Yeah, and that is so awesome. And, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen the product itself, it's called The Cove, and it's a beautifully designed litter box. I also like the claim, you know, you say it's, it's going to be the only litter box you'll ever need to buy. You know, tell us how, how you approached that, because I've seen the sketches and I've seen some of the things that you've made public about how you went about designing it. But I think our listeners would be very interested in, in knowing how a product like this uh, from that user, uh, from the end user point of view, but also from you as the person who, who, who is so dedicated to taking it to market. How did, you, how did you start the design process and how did you get to what you have that you're, you're getting ready to take to market is this beautiful thing? Yeah, um, that's a great question. So it kind of, I guess, like starts, so like any product idea just sort of starts as like just a seed of an idea. So just kind of, I guess the very initially I was, or anecdotally, I guess, I was kind of like looking for a litter box that we could sell on tuftonpaw.com uh, and I just wanted to resell a product. Like I didn't want to make a litter box and we couldn't find anything that existed. And so it, that seems strange to me. Like why not? Like even before I thought about the cove having the integrated scoop and dustpan and stuff, it was like, why is there not just like a clean, simple white like box, you know, and why are the, the all these kind of weird, like gray, like, you know, weird curves and shapes. Like I just want a simple, clean box. Um, so, um, the first idea actually, so I met up with our head of product and he's like a industrial, uh, furniture, high end furniture, human furniture designer. And our first idea was to make like a mechanical litter box that was automatic. The problem with automatic litter boxes is they're super loud and, um, expensive and prone to breaking down. Yeah. I mentioned and, I had one of those. It was terrifying to, to the cat and you know, it, it was a bad idea. Yeah, totally. Like they, they look appealing and they, I can see like you just, the, the proposition, the value proposition is high, but we thought that maybe there was a way to make something that was like mechanically automatic. So like, you know, maybe you just twist a crank and it like does it. There's something about sifting, sifting uh, crap out of a box that just feels like really like you have to be engaged and it's just like <laughs> really an annoying like experience it, it's it's uh, even worse than it sounds right it's like i mean because you got the smell yeah. you've got it's yeah cats are, are terrible can, can be beautiful creatures but man then they yeah. the things that come out of them don't smell good <laughs> right so so um so like 
our original idea was like, okay, how do we make something that's kind of like semi-automatic that is not um, electric though? And we sort of like started doing a bunch of research. Um, we have a cat behaviorist um, who's part of our team and she was giving us some ideas and we had a few really cool concepts, but the way that the mechanics worked, the litter box would have had to be um, round or like a circle shape. And when you make something, we also learned that a litter box needs to be at least like about one and a half times the size of a cat in length. And so mm-hmm. when that's in a circle shape, it ends up just being this massive object. Like so that's why most litter boxes are rectangular because you can like save on space a bit. Anyway, so like kind of condensing it a little bit, we wanted to make something that was kind of like semi-automatic, but through our kind of like testing around and looking at different products, we realized a trend that like no litter box included a scoop as part of the object. Like it was either didn't even sell one, like you just buy a litter box and you're expected to sort of like buy a separate scoop or it's like a scoop with a little like hook on it that you just kind of like hook on the side of the box. And it's kind of nasty if you think about it, like just this, like, like even for me at my house right now, I have a litter box scoop that just sits on the floor beside the litter box. And that's what most people do. Like, it's just like, Oh, or it has a little holder that goes right beside it experience every cat owner has you're speaking to the choir here they all know it's terrible and you've got something that works i think that scoop alone you know that's another example of of seeing a need in the market that's not being filled and and taking it to market i think you should sell that scoop separately too because people are gonna are gonna want that even if you know even if they don't want the the full-on yeah uh, cove litter box box experience they they're gonna want that scoop so we sort of designed this thing like i said um a lot of us are cat owners. And so, and we did research. We, everything is intentional. Like the, the walls we made, so our cat behaviorist basically recommends anytime somebody comes to her asking for a litter box, she recommends that the walls are only six inch, six inches high because cats like to see around them, like for potential threats while they're going to the bathroom. And, um, so we intentionally kept the walls at six inches because that was the highest we could do it while allowing older cats and kittens to get in safely. However, once launching the product, like so many people were talking about how they want a high walled litter box because their cat like pees standing up, which is a common issue. And so I've sort of realized in this process, it's so it's like impossible to please everyone. Like I've, feel like we put out what I thought was a product that we worked so hard on, but I still see in the comments, uh, people are so passionate about this um, topic that everybody wants something different. Like some people want a covered litter box. Some people want high walls. Some people will, will um, like get so angry if you're doing a covered litter box because it's something that the cats don't like. So it's just, it, that part is kind of frustrating because you can't make something that everybody likes. And, you know, you've been talking to the, the, the cat behavioral experts, the, the cat psychologists, you know what, what the majority of cats want, and they don't want to be inside of a structure. As you said, they feel vulnerable when they're in there, and, and they need to, to know what's going on around them. So um, not every cat owner knows what you know, and sometimes I think you have to make those decisions based on, on that, you know, on being well-advised. You're the one who did your research. The cat owners know their cat, but you can't design a different cat right. box for every cat either. Yeah, 
totally. It definitely gives you some empathy for like other product designers. When you, you know, whenever I see products, it's easy to go like, Oh man, this is such a bad design. Why did they do this? But like, you can almost guarantee there's somebody behind that product who thought about that decision and maybe you don't know all the details. Yeah. And you've reached over a hundred thousand dollars. So you're expanding into some new features. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we hit a hundred thousand dollars, which was, you know, like that's a, an amazing like milestone for us to, and so basically at, on Kickstarter, you offer sort of like a stretch goal if you're able to hit something like that. So our original stretch goal was offering some different color shades. So our original is just gray and white. And then now customers can choose between sand. So it's like a sort of like light golden brown um, sea wash, which is like a pastel green or uh, salmon, which is like a nice kind of coral. And so, yeah, different colors depending on what you'd like. Um, and then based on customer demand, we have launched like a optional wall extender add-on. So we sort of designed it on the fly based on what people were saying with the, the cats who pee standing up or who fling litter, like lots of cats will sort of dig actively. And so it can cause a, a mess. So we have this thing that we designed that basically, um, sits, clicks in on top of the existing cove and extends the walls from six inches to 14 inches. And it's semi-transparent. So cats can still kind of see through it. So they're not like going into this like dangerous area. And yeah, it's crazy. We just did a survey with customers to ask. Um, yeah, I saw that. What percentage? Yeah, yeah. Which kind? Right. Of, which kind of, of of shroud you want? You'd rather have on yours? What did you find? I I preferred the, the yeah, one that was so the, more clear. Which one did you like? The the one the more transparent of them. Oh, interesting. So the one that was by far the winner was the one that was like semi-transparent. It kind of almost looks like sandblast. Like uh-huh. it's like. Uh, yeah, like not fully opaque, but the step before that. That one won by like, I would say almost a landslide. And then the one that was by far the least was actually the fully transparent. That's great. I think it's good to democratize decisions like that, because especially yeah. if you see that there's a really strong consumer preference to one of them, it's why would you put the others on the market? You know that, that the majority of people right. like that one. And that's a really nice thing that you have, you know, with your online community going in and voting. Yeah, that's the best part about Kickstarter is that you have this engaged community and they're like, they will tell, you don't have to ask them what they think. Like they will tell you what they think. So you can actually make it, it can be frustrating, but it also just helps you make a better product. Well, and, and an important thing I wanted to ask you is with Kickstarter, you know, there are some real perils in doing that. You can go to some some products, Kickstarters, and see that they are warning their, their customers not to buy the counterfeit products. And be, by being on there, you know that counterfeiters are trolling and, and looking for where the interest is so that, you know, they can go and, and, and try and beat you to market with, uh, with the counterfeit of your product. How did that, the opportunity of Kickstarter, in your mind, win out compared to, to the, the risks? Yeah, I guess I just feel like it's like you can't be afraid to, like, step into the sunlight, kind of, like if you're going to get big enough that people are kind of knocking you off, that's kind of our goal is to like get that big that people like, you know what I mean? If we're, if we ever want to get to like a certain amount of customers, it's like people are going to see the product. People are going to make a competitor and we're just focused on making new stuff all the time. So like, you know, we're making this, we're going to make sure customers are happy. Um, 
if, if somebody else comes in and makes a cat product that's just as good or better, like, great. That's like, that's good for them. And, and, um, you know, I feel like the world could use some nicer pet products, but we'll always be focusing on just making super high quality stuff. So I feel like customers who end up backing us, will see that we'll launch a new product and we'll always be one step ahead instead of just sort of copying other people. That's a great philosophy. And Tuft and Paw is, it's a purpose-driven brand, right? Can you tell us a little bit yeah. about your origin story? Because I think it's, it's a really good one. It's, you know, I think to your audience, to your buyer, it's super meaningful. And, and so tell us about how Tuft and Paw came to be and, and why you do the things that you do. Um, yeah. So that's a great question. I, let's see. Well, it started, the origin story is that we, um, so myself and my girlfriend rescued our own cat. Um, and she, I love cats. She is like obsessed with cats. And so we live in a small apartment in Vancouver. It's expensive. Uh, real estate's really expensive. And we went out to get some stuff for our cat. And we just sort of realized that like, there was no option. Like it was like our, the closest thing to us was the pet smart and there's nothing that we wanted that we would put in our house. Like we don't have that much space. And so that was kind of like the initial idea, but it always felt like it was like too small. Like it was like, Oh man, cat furniture though. Like that's such a niche market. Like, but I just started talking to like more and more cat owners and they're like, man, that's totally true. Like why doesn't something like that exist? So on the business side of things, that really made sense. And on the, um, on the like purpose side of things, it's just like, I think that if you talk to any cat owner, like there's this like passion there and it's the same with us where it's just like, if there's this opportunity to, to give back and sort of help the cat community, any cat owner will be on board for that. And that's something that we've tried to do early on, even like as a small company, we just like partner with um, so many different shelters across the U S just when they're doing um, fundraisers and auctions, we will be the first to donate. We basically have an open door policy for anybody who contacts us. We donate so that they can help raise money for their um, shelters. Yeah. Well, you have a, you have a program for that, that you donate a bed program, right? Yeah. So we basically have, a few different ways that we give back. We have the donate a bed program where anybody can, um, anybody can order anything off our site for 50% if it's going to a shelter. Um, we also have a, like I said, we, the, the thing that we do most consistently is probably partner with, you know, 10 different shelters a month where we will give away products so that they can sell it to their customers and raise money for the shelter. And, um, and then we do like giveaways, so like era, not giveaways, but instead of black Friday, giving like a discount on our products, we just donated 10% of the sales to, um, a, to a different charity each time. But like the one that we did this last black Friday was called, there's this organization called no to dog meat. And they literally save cats and dogs off of meat trucks in Asia. Oh, and so we were able to donate 5,000 uh, US to them over the weekend um, to, and that's going to have like a tangible impact on some cats that they can save. 
with the kind of success you've had on Kickstarter, and, and that's kind of the holy grail for a lot of our listeners, what advice can you share for our listeners who want to take a product to Kickstarter, who want to take an idea there and are afraid to, but what can they do to try and, and improve their odds of succeeding the way that you have with the Cove? The video obviously is a huge part and it doesn't necessarily need to be like high production, but you need to really think about like, it's a project. Like you need to think about what is exactly about your product that makes it different and what are the cool features of your product that you can share and people backers on Kickstarter are constantly looking for reasons not to buy. Like you should assume that they're going through your video and your product page going, okay, yeah, but okay. Yeah. But, and so you need to sort of anticipate each of those objections and address it before it becomes an issue. So with the code, people might be thinking, okay, it's beautiful, but it's this price. And then you can address the price. Okay, it's that price, but it doesn't have high walls. Okay, well, you can explain why it doesn't have that. Um, so the video is a huge portion. Um, the free work is insanely important too. So like, if you just were to launch something on day one, the launch is, is probably, you should consider it like halfway through the project. So at least three months before we started collecting emails um, and people who might be interested in purchasing so that on the launch day, we could have that big release. Your campaigning should start months before, Um, you know, sending out emails saying, this is the big launch. This is the big launch, reaching out to publications. Hey, we're going to be launching on this day. So prepare, like make a plan and prepare to start a couple months before you plan to actually launch on Kickstarter. And then finally, I would say like, you know, advertising is a big part of Kickstarter. So like running um, ads on Facebook, YouTube, Google. So working with an agency that can help you do that. What's next for, for Tuft & Paw? Are you going to have, it sounds like you're going to have more cool products of your own in addition to the, the ones that you're sourcing that are really beautiful and well-designed? Yeah, I mean, we don't, we'll see how that we have our hands full with the litter box uh, based on kind of the orders that came through. So we're going to be focusing 100% on this for like the next six months to make sure that it um, goes smoothly and that everybody gets it on time. And from there, we'll just kind of have to see, um, you know, we've considered things like litter, like developing some litter that um, there's, yeah, our own litter that would go with the litter box. Um, there's a lot of strong opinions on litter. Um, we are continuing just to kind of like talk to our customers, see what our customers want. And uh, it was the litter box to start, but who knows like what the next Kickstarter project could be. We were thinking maybe a um, something to carry your pets, but I think our next project is going to be something really innovative. So like something that doesn't necessarily exist yet, but that we feel like could address a cat or cat owner problem. That's it for this episode of Product Knowledge and our conversation with Jackson Cunningham, founder of Tuft & Paw and creator of the Cove Cat Litter Box. You can find the Cove on the Tuft & Paw website at tuftandpaw.com. Links are in the episode notes. Visit graphosproduct.com where you can find out more about Graphos, our services, ideas, and more podcasts and our blog. All our podcasts are transcribed for the deaf and hard of hearing or if you just prefer to read. Reach out on Twitter at Graphos Product or email us on the form on graphosproduct.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Andre Schwabi.